There we go. Good morning. How are you? Good. Some of us better than we deserve. Listen, I'm excited for today. We have a lot going on. Um, we're also super expectant for what Jesus is going to do. Um, we have our favorite, you know, uncle, Pastor Mark, bringing us the word this morning. I'm super excited. He hates when I do this so I could do it for first so he can't cut me off. I've learned. Um, but listen, I wanted to read you. We're going to have, as always, if you've been with us for a little bit, we have these quick couple second family meetings to give you an update on Pastor and how he's doing. Um, this week he has written you a letter, but let's, I mean, it's an email, but it's the same thing. So imagine this letter, um, and it says, Dear New Life, I miss you all so much, so let's just get that out of the way. In June of last year, I felt the Lord calling me to come apart for a season. After 2020 and 2021, I agreed. I plan to take three weeks of vacation and three weeks dedicated to the Lord. You know, pray, study, meditate on his word. In September, I felt confident that the church was in the right place for me to do this, so I took the opportunity. But God had different plans for me. Three weeks of vacation was uh, hampered by a back injury. And so instead of relaxing, I prayed and studied and meditated on God's word. It was awesome. But then, due to excruciating pain, I was forced to go into the emergency room where it was determined that I was pretty sick and needed surgery to repair a previous procedure that was giving me sepsis and blocking my bowels. Everything moved quite fast, and due to COVID protocols, communication was difficult. But by the grace of God, I am healing and I'm at home. I thought God wanted me to know him more through ease. God chose emergency. Please continue to pray for my family as they help me heal up and pray for my back, which is still causing me excruciating pain. I'll be back soon, but with a renewed relationship with God himself. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your love and your support, Pastor Andy. So there's our, our little update on how he is doing. So would you continue in joining us? And we're actually going to do that right now real quick before we get into worship. Just as a house together, we're going to pray for him. So why don't you stand and join me? Father, we love Pastor Andy and DJ. Father, thank you for covering them in this time. Thank you for the right doctors in the right place who knew what to do. God, thank you that your hand has been over their life, and we just pray that you continue to do so. So, Father, we're asking for a, for a continued miracle this side of heaven on pastor's back. Father, we ask that you come with your Holy Spirit and comfort them even now as they join us online. Father, continue to open up the heavens over pastor so that he knows which way to go. And that when he's back, he is stronger, not just in body, but in faith. Father, we're honored to stand with him and hold him up in this moment. We pray for his whole family. We pray for Michael and Casey as well. Continue to draw close to them. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for what we're doing, even though we don't understand. But you're the great I am and the great healer, and so we call on you for that. Thank you that you've promised it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, my friends, worship and our message 
It's going to be incredible. Whatever you need from Jesus this morning, can I tell you, he's ready to listen and he's ready to meet with you. So let's worship. in Psalms. Don't pull it up, Kai. Uh, but there's a verse and it's pretty well known. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. And this week, that verse is, is different to me. When we enter his, his gates with thanksgiving, I mean, if you think about what a gate is, that's, what, that's the first thing you come into. Like, that's the first thing you go through. And so if I'm supposed to enter that with thanksgiving, that means my heart is not focused on what happened to me the other day that I'm super bummed out about or, um, you know, anything circumstantial or situational. I'm not sure if those are words, but today they are. But we're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. I feel like we just kind of were there. But we're going to allow space right now for God to search your hearts, for all of our hearts. And we're going to really posture our minds and posture our hearts and send our attention to Holy Spirit. Because otherwise we're not worshiping Jesus. We're not giving him our full attention. So Holy Spirit, move in this space, move in this moment. Search our hearts. What can we give you as an offering, whether it be our pride, whether it be a something physical? Let your fire fall 
out that there's no words on that screen. Maybe this is a morning where your own song and your own words come out in praise. saints we sing with angels and saints we sing with angels and saints we sing worthy are you lord 
So let every heart adore, let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. Let every heart adore, let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place.
Every morning when we come, we gather and pray and normally God will give me some sort of direction and there was no direction this morning. And so I'm just, I'm leaning on him and I feel like he's like Chris to talk, but I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And I want you to know that you are part of a church family that loves you immensely. And we serve a God that loves you immensely. And I just want you to feel safe and free to worship God and get to know God. And maybe when we sing stuff like, it's your breath in my lungs, it's something that you just don't understand. And that's okay. It's okay if you don't understand because he will show you, I promise. I promise he will help you understand even when you don't. And I wanna sing the chorus once more, just acapella, just our voices this morning. Yeah. 
Thank you, Krista. I'm in the same boat with Krista. Before, you know, you get up, you try and just ask God, what, what do you want me to share? Um, and just nothing. Just nothing this morning. So um, would you turn to somebody and just say thank you? Come on, look somebody in the eye, another human, say thank you. Come on. You can be seated. I want to say thank you to everyone here this morning. Um, I'm supposed to get up and, and kind of share about offering and giving, and, and all I have is gratitude. Thank you so much for giving into the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for taking something out of your checkbook, out of your bank account, and allocating it towards Jesus. We have a special um, need. Uh, a few, was it a month ago, that Brandon Baird came um, and shared with what's going on um, with him and Bethany and their mission down there. They have a special need uh, right now that has come up, a legal, some legal fees. Um, and so we would invite you if, you know, pray about it, think about it. If you would like to give uh, towards them, you can go online. Um, you can, there's four ways to give and our screens are not working, so I'm not going to use that. Um, but you can send a check um, to 490 Olney Avenue. Um, so if you, you know, use snail mail, um, you're with me. I love to mail things. Um, so you can send a check that way to our mailbox. You can drop off. Um, and just in the memo, if you're writing a check, just put, you know, uh, Mexico missions or missions. Um, and it'll get sent to them. Uh, you can drop something off uh, in the box out there. You can also go to newlifeastoria.com. And uh, if you're super techie and super savvy and love to have a million apps on your phone, um, you can download the church app, log in that way, and you can give as well. Um, but just wanted to just, you know, uh, I'm with Krista. I, I mean, if I, if I don't have anything, you know, specific, we always go with gratitude. Amen. Um, so turn to your neighbor say thank you. There's four ways to give. Uh, if you want to give that way, that's awesome. Thank you, ladies. We are going to welcome Pastor Mark. I think it's on. I do have something to say. <laughs> Cross your fingers. <laughs> Yeah, you were all hoping I had something to say today. Glad you're all here. And I just want you just, just to uh, relax and enjoy the presence of the Lord. Because it's wonderful when we can come together, because Jesus is always here when we come together. But he always speaks to our hearts. And sometimes he speaks to our hearts through the worship, through other people that we're just fellowshipping with and talking to and the encouragement that they, that they give us or the message. But God speaks to us in so many ways. And I found that many times when I'm sitting and I'm listening to a message that someone is delivering, that I'm getting a different message. And that is, it's based off the scriptures and everything, but God is really just speaking to my heart through those things. So just be open to that. 
open to the Holy Spirit just speaking to your heart. Uh, let's pray for a moment. He Heavenly Father, we just thank you today because we know that you do want to speak to us and you have something to plant, a seed to plant deep into our hearts because you want things to grow within us so that we can become more like you and so that we can be encouraged and strengthened by your word. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So before I uh, begin with my message, I have a little survey. Uh, how many of you have ever prepared a meal or prepared food and uh, the people that you prepared it for, maybe it's your family, weren't really hungry because they'd eaten a lot of junk and then you had prepared dinner and it's like they have no appetite or they didn't like what you fixed for dinner. Uh, anybody can relate to that? So how does that make you feel when you've prepared that and it's just like no one is interested in eating it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I needed that survey because a little bit later, I'm probably going to use that information. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, we have what's called the Sermon on the Mount. You will recognize that, Jesus' very famous sermon. And of course, it's called Sermon on the Mount because he was on a mountainside with hundreds of people as he was sharing his message. But his message was so powerful and beautiful. And at the beginning of that Sermon on the Mount is something that we call the Beatitudes. And I'm going to read one of the Beatitudes, and that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And it says, blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, this in itself is, is a truth and a message among all the other Beatitudes. They all have a message for us. But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I want you to know that, first of all, this is a promise. And there are a lot of promises in Scripture. But this is what we call a conditional promise. And there's also many other conditional promises. And that is God promises that something is going to happen, but he wants us to do something first. And in this case, he promises that we're going to be filled, but we're going to have to hunger and thirst for righteousness for us to be filled. And that is the key that unlocks the promise is the hunger and thirst that we have. So if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the promise is that you're going to be filled. Now there's a similar verse in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And, and Jesus said these words amongst a discussion about our needs and worrying about our needs. And he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. But one thing that's different about this passage of scripture is that it says his righteousness. And that's, that's very important to us. But first, what is righteousness? In the context of the verses that we've just been reading, it is a measure of morality or right living or being right before God and it's being moral on the inside and on the outside and it's living in right standing with God. So inside, his righteousness, it's having a pure heart. It's having attitudes that are surrendered to, to Christ. But most of all, 
growing more and more to have the character of Christ. And on the outside is righteousness, is integrity. Even when no one is watching, or no one's around, we have integrity of life, integrity of our actions, and it is also relating to other people with Christ-likeness. And I know that if you're like me, that attitudes rise up in just everyday situations, and then I think back about those attitudes, and I think, you know, I really should have had a different attitude. I shouldn't have maybe said the things that I said to people. And those are times that when we, when we just look at ourselves inwardly and we say, I need more Christ-likeness. I need to have his attitude. I need to have more of him in me. And that's great to have that desire because that's the hunger and the thirst that was being spoken of in that beatitude. Now, we're not going to be perfect, but we will have a desire to move in that direction. And that's called growth. And that's what we need. We need to grow in Christ. We need to get closer to him. But we have to have the desire to do so. If we have no motivation to do something, whatever it is in life, then that something is not going to get done. I guarantee you that probably around your house or yard or whatever, there is something that's undone because you have no motivation to get it done. You know the need and it just sits there. And uh, I have the same situation at my house. And sometimes it seems like, oh no, another winter is almost upon us and I haven't done that yet, right? We all think about those things. And it's the same with spirituality. We have to have the motivation. We have to want to do it. Otherwise, we're going to sit and we're going to remain the same. We're not going to grow. We're not going to change on the inside. But how do we measure righteousness? That's a good question because um, it's important in the world in which we live today. And Matthew, in the verses that we read, gives us a key about seeking his righteousness. God alone is totally righteous. He's perfect in holiness. And it's he is the one that we want to be like. God decides what's right and wrong or moral and immoral. And God's own character and God's own word are the measurement of what is right and what is wrong. And we don't all often discuss these things, not in everyday life. We, we have taken it for granted for so much time. If we go back a couple of generations to your grandparents and to the era in our country, most people understood the measure of morality and it came from God and it came from his word and they understood it and they respected it. But we've lost something in our day. And the world's definition of morality is something, behavior that is morally acceptable. But our society is always changing what's acceptable. And it's actually, very alarming what's happening in our society today and it seems like it's snowballing and there's nothing that we can do about it but there is something we can do about it for ourselves and for our own family even though it seems to be moving and changing because our world is beginning to think that there is no moral absolute and because there is no moral absolute then anything goes but I want to show you something here and some of you will recognize this this is a plumb line now, how do you know if something is absolutely straight up and down? A plumb line. And you know, in God's word, 
In Amos chapter 7, verse 8, the Lord said to Amos the prophet, Amos, what do you see? A plumb line, he replied. And the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people, Israel, and I will spare them no longer. So what God was saying in using the plumb line is that he was saying, I am the measurement of what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. And you can't tell if it is or not unless I get my plumb line and I set it amongst you so that you know whether or not you have kept my word or kept my law. And the Israelites were not just blurring the lines of morality, but they were totally abandoning them and abandoning God's word. They were serving other gods. They were indulging in sexual immorality. They were even sacrificing their children to other gods. And our society is no different. We have God's word, which is our plumb line, but people keep wanting to move what truth is. And so they'll move the plumb line this way and say, what is evil is good. Or they'll move it the other way and say, what is good is evil. And that's what we're seeing. And we'll see most probably the day when the Bible, which is a book that is our guide, is going to be called a hate book. And Christians, because of our lifestyle, we're going to be called intolerant people. And we'll be the bad guys because we're the good guys. Because we know God and we know his word. But please hear this. Live by the truth of God's word. And you know that truth. He's given it to you. Cling to the truth. Don't let go of the truth of his word that he's given to you. Don't you be a person in your own heart who says, well, everybody else is thinking that way or doing it. So I guess it's okay for me. What is okay for you is dependent on who you are and you are a son and you are a daughter of God. And because you're a son and daughter of God, that changes everything because you have a relationship with the living God and that relationship means everything. And so we look to our heavenly father for our life and for our lifestyle because of that relationship that we have with him. We want to keep that relationship alive. We want to be close to him. We don't want to be far from him. We don't want him to have to say, I have to set my plumb line amongst my people so they can really see how far they have drifted away from my heart. Now, Jesus used the word hunger and thirst in that beatitude that we read because he knew that we would understand those references. He knew we would understand what it means to be hungry and what it means to be thirsty and what it means when we're hungry to eat a meal and then to be full or to be thirsty and go and find something to drink and then know that our thirst has been quenched or satisfied. And because we know uh, how to eat till we're full, and I don't know why I think of Thanksgiving when I think of that, <laughs> because it seems like that's when we overindulge. That's when like, all the good stuff is on the table and on our plate, and we just want to eat. And I don't know if any of you are like this, but um, somehow I like to think that I want everything, every flavor in one bite, and that's really difficult at Thanksgiving because you have 
the turkey and you have the stuffing and the gravy and you have mashed potatoes and you have cranberry and you just want everything in one bite. Can anybody relate to that? This is like you want all that flavor in there and I'm making you hungry. But Jesus said, if we hunger and thirst, just relating to what we know of our physical hunger and thirst, if we hunger and thirst to be more like him and to live a life pleasing to God, then he's not going to leave us empty. He's not going to snatch the plate away and leave us nothing to fill that hunger and thirst. He is going to fill it. And he's not going to give you just a small taste of the promise that he promised you if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's going to give you the whole enchilada. <laughs> now I want you to know that Jesus is a vision caster. And I don't know if you've ever thought of Jesus as a vision caster. But a vision caster is somebody who puts a goal in front of you. And it's not just a goal, but he paints the picture of what it will be like when we reach that goal. And a vision caster creates motivation to work toward that goal. And it whets your appetite to actually see who we can become. And there are certain people in your lives that have been that kind of vision caster. And if you were young and you were in sports, then your coaches were those kinds of vision casters, pressing you forward to your full potential and putting goals in front of you so that you can win and be successful. And Jesus is that kind of vision caster for us. He paints a picture for us of what our life can be, but he wants to use his words for you to see a vision, to catch a picture of what he wants for us. And I want you to see something that Jesus said, and he deliberately said it to place a vision in front of us for all of us to see and understand. Now, he did this in many different ways, in many different scriptures that we could read. Jesus is casting a vision for us. But in this particular one, this is what I want to talk about today, and it's John chapter 14, verse 12. And Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, now, you know, if Jesus is saying, very truly, I tell you, then he means what he says. Then Jesus isn't lying, and he's not exaggerating either. He's saying, I tell you very truly, I want to get your attention, and I want you to listen to this, and this is important, and this is true. And he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And let's just stop there for a moment because I want you to absorb that. Jesus is saying, whoever believes in me, and who, do, who does that include? All of us. Whoever believes in me. So he wasn't just saying this to a select few. He wasn't saying to those 12 people who have followed me for three years and become my apostles. He says, to everyone who believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. What kind of works was Jesus doing? This is when you need to talk to me. <laughs> what kind of works was Jesus doing? 
Miracles. What else? Healings, yes. Preaching the word, yes. Discipleship. He did so many things. Yeah. So he had many works, and he said that we would do those works. But he also said this. We'll do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. He said we would do greater things than the things you have seen Jesus do because he's going to his Father. So first of all, I want to stress again, this is Jesus saying this to everyone who believes. So sometimes we paint ourselves out of a picture with certain things. For example, miracles and healing. We paint ourselves out of the picture because we think, oh, that's for super spiritual people or someone with special training. But Jesus is saying to you that whoever believes, so don't paint yourself out of this picture. Don't look for a way to disqualify yourself but jump right in and say, I'm the one Jesus is speaking to today. Now, why did Jesus say that we would begin to do these because he's going to his father? Now, Jesus explained this later. And if you want to read about it, you can read about it in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. But I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this down. And basically, Jesus said to those who are following him, I'm going to have to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you orphans. That is to say, I'm not going to abandon you. But I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to be with you forever. And he will keep teaching you, and he will keep reminding you of all the things that I've said. And he will guide you, and he will speak to you. And then he also said this, and this is from John 1420. On that day, you will realize that I am in you. That's beautiful. On that day, when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit comes in you to live in you, you will realize I'm in you. So taking that back to his promise that we're going to do his works and greater things, how are we going to do his works and greater things? Only if we realize he is in us through the Holy Spirit. That's how we can do it. We can't do it in our own strength, in our own ability. No training can help us to do that. It is the one who is in us, who is going to be the teacher, who is going to train us along the way, who is going to speak to us and guide us and tell us what to do. And then we're going to do it. We're going to do the stuff. The stuff Jesus did because the Holy Spirit's leading us. But we have to be willing. We have to be willing participants to the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. So if the Holy Spirit says to you, pray for that guy. And then you say to the Holy Spirit, I don't know that guy. <laughs> or he won't accept prayer. I know him. He, has, he wants nothing to do with God, whatever it is. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to teach you, to guide you, to speak to you, to tell you when to do something. On that day, you will realize that I am in you. So Jesus is saying, as he casts this vision to all believers to do his works, that he's in us. And because he's in us, there's unlimited potential. 
Now, my heart really aches and hurts that we live in a world where there's so many sick people. There's so much sickness and disease in our world. And it was the same when Jesus walked the earth. There was so much sickness and so much disease. And there's a gap, I feel, between what Jesus said and what I'm experiencing or what we're experiencing. And there's this gap. Now, it's not to say that I haven't experienced anything that Jesus has said or promised, but I haven't seen everything that he said or promised. I haven't seen all the works that he was doing, and I want that gap to not just get a little bit smaller, but I want the gap to disappear so that I am doing the works of Jesus, and I know that you're with me in that. And so that's, that's something that stirs my heart. I spoke to you earlier about hunger and thirst because I believe that hunger and thirst is a key. Because if we're just satisfied with the status quo that people are sick and yeah, we can pray and then we just have to hope that God does something. But instead, we have to believe that we have been sent to make a difference. That because we're here, Jesus in us is also here and he makes all the difference. And so if there's someone that needs healing, then Jesus is in me to bring that healing to that person. Now this hunger and thirst, I just, I just love Psalm 63. And in the first four verses, it says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And I have seen you in your sanctuary and I have beheld your power and your glory. So I say to Jesus, I know what you can do, Jesus. I have seen your power and your glory. I have seen you work miracles in people's lives. I have seen you transform lives. I have seen people healed. And I don't want to look at your miracles and your healing like I look at an old photo album, remembering the things that you did in the past. But I hunger and thirst to see these things today, to believe that what you said when you said that we all would do the works that you're doing and greater works is true in me for today, not for yesterday, not for the great revivals of yesterday and not for tomorrow, sometime in the future when we gain your favor or, or something else happens, it's for today. And that we're called to this generation for that reason. And that we're perfect for this generation because Jesus is in us and he always knows what to do and he always knows what to say to every generation. In Habakkuk chapter three, verse two, a book you probably don't read very often, it says, Lord, I have seen your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. What a prayer. The same thing we've been speaking of. I have heard of your fame. I am in awe of your deeds, Jesus. Repeat them in our day. I think that's why Jesus made that promise. 
I think that's why Jesus cast that vision. That's why it's in his word, so that we would read it, and we would believe it, and we would understand it, and we would know that it's for our day. And we're just going to focus on healing right now. Because there are many other things that Jesus did. But there's a reason that you see Jesus doing so much healing as he proclaims the good news wherever he goes. And that is because Jesus knows that healing is something people need and he has great compassion upon them. And we should have the same compassion. In fact, compassion is the key to seeing people heal. Because it's not about any kind of ego trip or prestige that I can do certain things. It's about having compassion for people who are suffering and who are sick. And Jesus had compassion and he was moved by compassion, the scriptures tell us many times, and that's why he did something for people. But we also see that Jesus knows that healing opens the door of people's hearts to the gospel. Because if people are supernaturally healed, suddenly they have to believe in a supernatural God who's the one who healed them. And it opens the door to people's hearts. And in focusing on healing today, I want you to see some truths from the scriptures. And we're going to start first with the provision. The provision. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, we have something that's said as a prophecy looking forward to Jesus. And in 1 Peter 2, 24, we hear the same words, but looking back at what Jesus already accomplished. And these are the words, and they come from 1 Peter 2, 24. And he, it says in his word, He himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. There's that word righteousness again. By his wounds, you have been healed. How are we saved? Because he bore our sins on his body when he was crucified and he died in our place for our sins. How are we healed? He suffered. By his wounds, we are healed, the Bible tells us. He was scourged. He wore the crown of thorns. They pierced his hands. They pierced his feet. They tormented him. His torture and suffering was the gift that he gave so that our suffering and sickness would end and so that we would be made whole. It was for us that he did a, that, and that's the provision. Jesus is the provision for healing. Jesus paid for it. Healing's not earned, just as salvation's not earned. So you can't say to yourself, well, I, I, I wish that I was good enough for Jesus to heal me. It's not about that. It's not about you being too sinful to be healed. God heals everyone, even the unbeliever, especially the unbeliever, for the reasons I told you earlier. Healing is for everyone. It's not earned, but he gave it to us. And then there's the promise, and we already read the promise, and the promise, John 14, 12, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. Jesus wants us to live in that reality. And then there's the commission. And this is a passage of scripture 
that I'm going to read that comes out of his commissioning 72 people, 72 of his followers to go out and do what he had been doing. And I love that the scripture records that he sent out these 72 people because there's another passage of scripture where he sends out the 12, but that would make us believe that it's only for the special people, only for the apostles to do these works. But because he sends out the 72, we know it's for everybody. And this is what he said, John chapter 14. I mean, sorry, it's in Luke chapter 10, verse eight and nine. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Pastor Angelo, they're eating again. <laughs> they're going to other people's houses and they're eating their food and they're drinking their drinks. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Then he says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Heal this, this is the commission. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Now, remember I asked you if you felt offended when you prepare a meal for your family and nobody wants to eat it. For me, that used to be my mom's tuna casserole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that came to my mind, but it was. I just, I don't like tuna casserole. It's like tuna shouldn't be hot and in a casserole. It should be in a salad or a sandwich or something other than that. But so, okay. So remember the feeling that you have when you set that table for your family and set that food before them and nobody's interested. And Jesus here is saying, eat whatever is set before you. And, he say, and I'm saying to you, that to you in a different context, and that is that the Heavenly Father has set a banquet for you of everything that Jesus has provided for us. Are you scooting up to the table to eat what he has promised you? Or have you pushed away from the table saying, that's for somebody else to do? Those works are for someone else. Do you have the hunger and the thirst to make his promises a reality in your life? Do you believe the word of God? Does Jesus have to make it any clearer when he says, very truly, I say to you that I want you to do these things? We have a commission. We have a commission. And it's a rich blessing. He tells us to heal the sick. And he says to tell them that the kingdom of God is near. To say to, to say to people when they're healed, it's Jesus who's healing you. And he loves you. And he cares about you. And that's why he heals you. And he wants to be a part of your life. He is speaking to you right now through this healing. And then we have the authority. In Matthew 10.1, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And notice it says, every disease and sickness. You know what was the most 
feared disease in Jesus' day. It was leprosy. Because nobody knew, they knew it was catchy that people got leprosy, so they stayed away from the lepers, but they didn't have any way of healing leprosy. And so you wouldn't want to even get close to somebody who had leprosy. It was just like COVID, right? You have to stay a certain distance. And in fact, in, in Jesus' day, lepers had to tell you, I have leprosy, stay away from me. And so the loved ones of those who had leprosy had to understand that the lepers had to live by themselves. So they lived in groups because nobody wants to live alone. So you, you crave the association with other people. And so lepers came together. They all had the same disease. And so their families would come and bring them food and bring them clothing and bring them provision and, and bandages. But there was nothing else they could do for them. But Jesus healed the lepers. The most dreaded disease of his time, he healed the lepers. And Jesus was not afraid of the lepers. Jesus laid his hands on lepers to heal them. Every disease and sickness, what is it that you fear? Our society fears certain things. But I want you to know that that fear is from the enemy. Because if you're going to step out in faith and start praying for people who are sick, one of the things that's going to happen, and I'll warn you about this ahead of time, is that people are going to tell you they have something serious going on. And you're going to say to them, to yourselves, whoa, I don't know if I could do anything about that. But remember, you aren't going to do anything about that. Jesus is going to do something about that. And to him, nothing intimidates Jesus. Nothing intimidates Jesus. He gave his disciples authority over every disease and sickness, it tells us. And that word authority in the original language, it's, it's exousia in, in the Greek. And it means authority, power, and it also means jurisdiction. And that means the, the boundaries of your authority. So, for example, we have civil authorities or elected officials, and they have a certain jurisdiction, so they have no power beyond their jurisdiction. They can't govern beyond that jurisdiction. So when Jesus gave us authority over every sickness and disease, he put every sickness and disease within our jurisdiction, within our authority to do something about it. So there's nothing that's outside of the boundaries of the authority of what Jesus can do through you. And if you have authority over something, you can command it. And we learned this lesson from this Roman centurion who once sent word to Jesus and asked him to heal his very sick servant. So he must have thought that his servant was a special person or a worthy person because he sent for Jesus, please come and heal my servant. And while Jesus was on his way, the centurion had thought about this and he sent his friends out to meet Jesus and his friends out to meet Jesus and they told Jesus, please don't bother to come to my house. I do not deserve to have you under my roof. The centurion sent the message, just say the word and my servant will be healed. 
And the centurion goes on to say, and this is from Luke chapter 7, verse 8 and 9, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes. And to that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. I have not found such great faith in all of Israel, Jesus said, to the words of the centurion. Think about it for a moment, just in a nutshell, what was the centurion saying? The centurion was just saying, Jesus, you don't need to be here. You just need to command my servant to be healed, and it's going to happen. I understand authority, the centurion said. I understand how it works, and I know you have authority over sickness. That's what Jesus is saying to us. We have authority over sickness. And then we have presence. We have presence. And thank you, Pastor Verlin, for talking to us about presence. That's so important. I was thrilled at that because that makes all the difference. I want to tell you that the presence of God can change things. Just his presence among believers. Now, God is always among us. Especially when we gather. God is among us when we gather. But there is times when he visits us in a special way. With, with power and presence and glory. And we, some people call that the manifest presence of God. And that is God is present. But sometimes it, he begins to work among us. And so he manifests himself in our midst. And in Luke chapter 5 verse 17... There's a story uh, in that chapter about a paralyzed man who needed healing. And Jesus was teaching in a certain town in a home. And there were so many people that had come and gathered around that it was hard for the paralyzed man and his friends, because he was laying on a stretcher and his friends were carrying him around, to get him to Jesus so that he could be healed. I know you know this story because they tore apart the roof of the house and lowered him down on ropes so that he could be where Jesus is so that Jesus could heal this paralyzed man. Now, the person who's telling us this story is Luke, who wrote the gospel. He is one of the disciples, and he was a doctor. So he was, he was Dr. Luke. He was a physician. So he knows a lot of things about a person's physical body and about sicknesses. And I don't know if you've met people who have paralysis, but in the job that I do. I've met many people with paralysis, uh, quadriplegics who are paralyzed from the neck down or, or paraplegics from the waist down. Just, uh, and you know, people who have strokes and sometimes they're paralyzed on one side of their body, but, but having paralysis is a horrible thing. And that was this person's situation. But the doctor, Dr. Luke is telling us the story and he says this, one day Jesus was teaching and people had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Can anybody make the sound of a car screeching to a halt? 
There you go. That was good. Derek, is there room on the production team for a sound guy who can make... <laughs> okay. Why are we screeching to a halt? Because we don't need to read any, any further. We know the story. We know the man was healed. But he is telling us about something special that is happening at that gathering. The power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Wasn't it always present? Well, yes, it was always present in Jesus. He's the carrier of the presence. But in this meeting, there was something special. The power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Have you ever felt sometimes when we come to church and we come together and we begin to worship? There is a powerful presence of the Lord here. And sometimes we could tell it when we just walk into the room. We walk into the room and we know he's here. Why are we saying he's here? He's always here. Because we're sensing the manifest presence of God. And Luke was knowing the same thing. Luke was saying, I was there. I know what was happening. And the presence or the power of the Lord was there at that moment to heal the sick. Something special was happening. The sick were being healed. And there are times when the power of God is so heavy in a room, so powerful, that people are touched, and they're touched in many ways. Some people get healed. Some people get delivered from life-controlling issues. And some repent to God, simply because the presence of the Lord is manifesting itself in that place. You know, I was healed in a meeting where the power of God filled the room. I was young. I was just a new believer. I was 16 years old. I was in high school, and I had a heart murmur. And they didn't discover it till um, in those days, they used to have a doctor come to the high school. And like in gym class, we'd have the whole period class, and the doctor would take turns listening to people's hearts and just checking them out, seeing if they were healthy, if they could breathe, if they could active. And, and uh, my coach comes to me and after the doctor had seen me, and he said, um, you have a heart murmur, and so you need, to tell your, you need to tell your parents, and you need to get this checked out. So I did go to the doctor. Sure enough, I have a heart murmur, and they're so concerned about the heart murmur, wondering, is my heart pumping blood correctly? Am I getting good circulation? They're taking my blood pressure in my arm, in my legs, just trying to figure this out. And I'm actually seeing a doctor almost every week. So thank you, Mom and Dad, for paying for those doctor visits <laughs> because I know you love me and you were caring about my health. And then I went to uh, a young people's meeting, and it was in Southern California, and it was in the Los Angeles area. It was kind of a camp, but we had also gone to a church meeting, <coughs> excuse me, and it was be being held at Melody Land, which is a big circular auditorium that holds hundreds of people. And... Um, we had a speaker there, and God's power was just in that room. And the person who was speaking to us was recognizing that God's power was there. And so he just began to report this, and he said, God's power is falling in this room like rain everywhere upon people to heal them. 
at the moment that he said that, that actually happened to me. And I wasn't even looking for a healing. I mean, I knew I had a heart murmur, but I wasn't there to pray for my heart murmur, right? I was just there. And I felt God's presence come over me like a warmth over my total body. And then I actually felt fluttering in my heart. I don't know how to express it or explain it. Fluttering in my heart. Like someone's working in there. But I had this knowledge, this understanding, and this can only come from the Spirit of God. I'm healed. Now, I don't know I'm healed. I'm not a doctor. I can't feel my heart murmur. A doctor has to listen to it, right? So I go home. My next doctor visit, my doctor listens to my heart. And then he says, do you mind if I go get another doctor down the hall, a cardiologist to come in and consult with me and listen to you? So the cardiologist comes in and listens to my heart. And then they go out into the hallway and I can hear them talking together in low whispers. And then he comes back into me and he says, well, I've confirmed it with another doctor. You don't have a heart murmur anymore. I can't find it, he says. And the other doctor can't find it. It's not there. And believe me, through the years, I've had a lot of different, you know, just routine physical exams and tests and even electrocardiograms and things like that to see how things, see how my ticker's going. And um, no heart murmur. No heart murmur. But, but I'm telling you the story because it just happens spontaneously because of the presence. The presence of God was in a room. And you know, you've heard the story of Peter and Peter's shadow healing people. It's not really his shadow. It's because of his proximity to them. He was close to them. He was a carrier of the presence. And as he got near people, the presence of God healed them. So here's what we have. We have the provision. We have the promise. We have the commission. And we can't ignore that commission. That's for all of us. And we have the presence. And we have the authority. But do we have the hunger and thirst to believe Jesus and to carry out? Are you as sick of sickness as I am? Do you have any feeling or compassion for other people? And what I'm asking you to do today is simply to obey Jesus, to do what Jesus has called you to do. Kayla, if you'd come. I want to pray, and I want you to join me for those people who are online, who are listening through Facebook or YouTube, and um, have been listening to this message, and you get to be a part of this. Because remember the centurion, there's no distance when it comes to healing and to prayer. And so I want you to reach out your prayer and join with me as I pray for people who are listening who might have sickness and who I know Jesus wants to touch because they can't be here. And so let's pray. And pastor, this is for you too. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for everyone listening today. And I know that your great compassion reaches out to them. You know what struggles they've struggled through with sickness, 
or chronic illness or injury. Lord, whatever their circumstance, we thank you for being right there in the room with them. And we pray, Lord Jesus, lay your hand of healing upon them. We believe today there is no distance to your power. And the very presence in this place goes to them. And we ask for healing. We ask for restoration of their bodies. We ask for wholeness. And Lord, we thank you that you are answering this prayer. That you are reaching out right now. And I thank you that you have a given us authority and you have authority over everything that they face. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much that you would suffer and die so we could be saved and so that we can be healed. And we give you that thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to know that I don't have to commission you to heal the sick or do any of the other works of Jesus because he's already commissioned you in his word. But just know that you've been commissioned and you've been given authority. He's, he's, he's giving you a badge right now to prove your authority. And he needs you to flex your muscles and to get it done. And it's very simple. And, and this church has seen many miraculous healings many miraculous healings over the years and and we've kind of had a corporate faith and that is that if somebody is really sick or in dire need we all gather our prayers together for that person and God has done miracles really medical miracles provable miracles that he's done but I want you to expand your faith beyond the corporate faith that you have to believe that you could be a carrier of the presence and that you don't need the whole con congregation to pray with you to see God do something because God is sending you out to places where we can't all go. To your co-workers, to your neighbors, to your friends. And next time somebody says that they're sick or that they're ill, don't just say, oh, I'm sorry, have you taken a Tylenol or or an aspirin for that, or you should see a doctor. We believe in doctors, by the way. We believe God calls doctors and nurses and medical professionals. He anoints them and he gives them wisdom and understanding. We work together with them, prayer and medicine together. But we need the prayer part too. That can make all the difference. It can make all the difference. It can make a faster recovery. It can just do things that humanly we can't do on our own, even with as good medicine as we have. But I want you just to believe that you can pray for people. So next time somebody comes up with a circumstance like that, you just say to them, well, can, can I just pray with you about that? And don't wait for their yes or no. Just reach out your hand and touch them on the shoulder, and when you close their eyes, they'll have no choice but to cooperate <laughs> with you. And then just say a simple prayer. Don't say the kind of prayer that's really out loud that 
makes this person embarrassed and have to look around like, who's listening to all, to this crazy person, you know, praying for me? But just be natural and just be normal and just say a, a brief prayer asking Jesus to touch them. And Jesus will answer your prayer. And we need to step out in faith. We need to take those little steps. If you have not been a person that reaches out to minister to people in this way, then just take the baby steps. But I, I want you to take steps. I want you to begin to do that. Jesus is in you. Powerful things can happen. We're going to close today. And as we do, we're going to give an invitation to pray for people who are here today. And you can leave if, if you want to, because we're, we're going to have music. We're, we're dismissed. We're going to... But we're going to pray for people who want prayer for healing. And we have two teams of people that we've set up. One on this side of the room where we have a little more space and another over here also. And don't feel that you have to line up if there's one or two people ahead of you. You can just stay where you are until there's opportunity for you to come forward and to be prayed for. But we just wanted to give you that opportunity today. If you need prayer, if you need healing, we could pray for you. But I do want to pray about the commission that Jesus gave you. And let's stand as we receive that prayer. Lord Jesus, we believe you. We choose to believe you and your word. And we choose to believe that it's absolutely true that there was no exaggeration at all in what you spoke to us when you said that we as believers would do the works that you have done and even greater things because you are in us by the Holy Spirit. We accept your commission in obedience to your word. Give us the faith to step out, to take risks, to be who you've called us to be. And Lord, it really doesn't matter what people think and we shouldn't be concerned with that because what is most important is what you think and we want you to know that we're trying that we we want to be obedient and I thank you that you've given us a teacher the Holy Spirit to show us exactly what to do and what to say in the very moment that we need it thank you Jesus Amen. We're dismissed, but like I said, if you need prayer, we have a couple of teams of people and we'll be praying for you.